content, information, and opinions expressed during the related show are those of the show personalities and guest alone, and not those of Vic Canellis Media Group, its parent, affiliates, or stations. VCMG Live is not responsible for any content, information, or opinions expressed. User bears full responsibility for their reliance on such content, information, or opinions. Monday night time once again for Ira on Sports True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Ira's in studio. We are live. We have a great show tonight. But Ira, you, you listen to the national media, and this is like the month where everyone takes off. Nobody's working right now. Except you. You're out constantly. There's no break for Ira. There's none. And there's too much going on. I don't know what to do. Yeah, you I can't do this week. You have nine places to be. I could go to spring training baseball. I could go to the to the Cognizant Classic or the Fountain of Youth Stakes down in Gulfstream. I have invitations to all of them that I to go to that people say, let's go to this. I, I can only be in one place at one time. That's the it, problem. The match is tonight in West Palm. We're going to see uh, Rory McIlroy, Max Homer. This is a block away from us. You could have been there. we got to do the show. Yes, it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's absolutely. Wait, wait till you guys hear what I did on Saturday. It's unheard of what I did on Saturday. Just, I'm so excited to talk about that. At Ira on Sports, you can follow anywhere, uh, Ira anywhere across social media. We are stacked with guests tonight. This first guest is someone that I think three or four years from now, we might be like, how the heck did we get him on the show? Fred Biondi, standout college golfer right here at the University of Florida, playing in the Cognizant Classic this week. And this is a kid who the trajectory, like if he's in five years from now, has won a major and is ranked top five in the world, I'm not going to be shocked. He's like 600th in the world because he just turned pro. Yeah. But he, uh, he's the NCAA. How about this? We cannot find this answer. And I'm trying. He, this past year, won the NCAA championship at Florida as the team and also as an individual. I, Tiger never did that. Phil Mickelson never, I mean, I don't know whoever does that. We can't find. Is there another golfer that won the team NCAA title and the individual NBA NCAA title? And it's great. He's playing at the Honda, our Cognizant. And I went out there today and just went out on the nine and they had set up a nice interview. Thanks to people at uh, the Cognizant to set that interview up. And short little interview. It's a little windy, you know, whatever yeah. on the course. But it was windy out there today. You're going to see some crazy scores. And you know, the, the, the Cognizant course, the BJ National, full of water everywhere. When you have water and wind, that is not a good mix. I played golf Saturday on a course much like that with the same wind and I lost a lot of balls. <laughs> Granted, they're a little better than me. But no, Fred is one of these guys that all year last year, it was him and Ludwig Aber going back and forth as the number one college at golfer. Now we see Ludwig Aber all the time. This is, might be Fred Biondi's coming out party. He could win the Cognizant this week, and we'd be like, wow, we had the winner on the show. The question I didn't ask him is, he turned pro. If he had one, he had invites to the Masters next year, and he chose not. He chose that not to, you know, he chose pro earlier, but, you know, he, it's pretty amazing that he gave up the U.S. Open, the Masters, because he, he believes in himself. Now he's on the Corn Ferry Tour, but he's like, I don't want to wait. I want to start making money, start earning those things, and he gave up at invites to invites to the Masters in the U.S. Open. Yeah, we'll talk to him uh, just real quick around seven twenty as we get into our Cognizant Classic uh, uh, updates. Nick Lowry is going to join us, and this is one that's kind of strange, Ira. Nick, we pre-recorded an interview with him; it's fantastic. He's on his way to the studio, though. Nick might actually come in live before we're done. One of the, the number 19 all-time scorer in the NFL. Big, huge part of my childhood as a Kansas City Chiefs kicker. And you know what? When I talk to someone, I say, Nick Lowry, they go, I had him on my fantasy team. Who didn't have <laughs> He was the best kicker for a decade. Not only did he kick the longest field goals, he was the most accurate. And he's on the short list probably for kickers for the next kicker, one of the kickers to be in the Hall of Fame. He's, there's only two kickers in the Hall of Fame. So it was great. We did a great interview with him. And then he's like, I'm coming to Palm Beach. And then we, we I was trying to do a 
live, but I was too nervous that if he's going to land, you cannot. Anyone who flies today, yeah. you can't really. But he might come. We might just stop the interview and put him on live if he cuts here before 8 o'clock. It's uh, crazy stuff happening here on Iron Sports. Let's get right into it because, like we said, we're super busy. So the NFL combine's coming up. Obviously, rumors are circulating about Justin Fields. Rumors are circulating about Russell Wilson as we go into one of the most stacked NFL drafts for quarterbacks we've seen in probably a decade. Yeah, I mean, I think this is one thing you hear the national media talking about is Justin Fields. Like, there's a story, will the Bears keep him or trade him? It's not a story. It is just made up. It is Russian disinformation because Justin Fields is being traded. There is no way. They missed in the draft. The Bears last year missed on C.J. Stroud by keeping Justin Fields. They are not missing on all these other yeah. quarterbacks keeping Justin Fields. Justin Fields is a known quantity. He's played for three years. He has 40 touchdowns. He had um, 54 touchdowns and 46 turnovers. F- 16 fumbles, 30 interceptions. Out of 32 cube quarterbacks in the past three years, he's 26 out of 32. I mean, he's he's below average as a quarterback. He might do well somewhere else, but he's not with the Bears. When you have the number one choice, I don't care if they gave you 30 draft choices. If Caleb Williams is someone who th- potentially could be Patrick Holmes, you're not keeping... It's not what you... Draft picks, you've got to get... There's no way. Justin Fields is gone. He's not with the Bears. That's It's just ridiculous. I mean, look at the trade-ups that San Francisco made to acquire Trey Lance. And as a year later, it was like, forget all those picks. We found our quarterback in Brock Purdy. We don't need you. And this is not the same situation here where the Bears have been making mistakes at quarterback since the inception of the team. You got the number one overall pick with a generational quarterback. Take him and you know take the guesswork out of this. Just take the number one guy. Yeah, and the, and the, and the fact that last year they had the people. Were like, didn't the Bears have a number one last year? Yes, they had number one last year, and they didn't have. And so again, there's no way. And also, Justin Fields. The one thing to note is that in a year they're going to have to pay him money. So now if they they passed on C.J. Stroud and Cal Williams and, and Drake May and all these other quarterbacks, and now he's going to get paid. He's going to say, "Well, I, I deserve fifty million dollars." You, you so they, not only do they have him, it's it's ridiculous. They're not keeping Justin Fields. That is a not non-starter. And Russell Wilson is not coming back to Denver. They didn't bench him That's last year. That's more of year. a short thing. <laughs> Sean Payton is not keeping Russell Wilson. So those two quarterbacks are gone. There's six potential first-round quarterbacks in the draft in terms of uh, Caleb Williams, Drake Bay, Jalen Daniels, J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix. So to me, that's eight quarterbacks that are available that are going to be changing. And and, and we got, and here's my team. Do you want to go should I just name my team? Sure. Chicago, Washington, and New England with how they're going to get quarterbacks. Those top three. Arizona's stuck with Murray, Chargers with Herbert, Giants. They're going off Daniel Jones with these quarterbacks that are there. I well, think they, they have a, Daniel Jones is kind of locked in for one more year, but perfect time, especially if you're not going to get one of those top three. You're going to get a McCarthy, a Knicks, a Penix. Let him sit for a year. And I do think, I, I mentioned it last week, this is a perfect opportunity for the Giants to take a position of need, like wide receiver at six, then make a splash and come back in at pick 18, pick 19, and grab your quarterback there. Correct. That that would be something, yes, definitely. And Titans, Will Levis, they seem to love Will Levis. I think they're not moving off. They had to draft him early last year. Atlanta definitely does not have a quarterback, so they're going to pick somebody. Something is going to be. This is going to be Justin Fields, Russell Wilson, or draft boys. Jets, Aaron Rodgers, Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, Denver. No quarterback there. Then the Raiders at Denver at twelve. Raiders at thirteen. So then you have all those teams with quarterbacks. Uh, that neat Denver and Raiders are going to pick one, and that we're at, now that's seven teams that are going to have some sort of pick, either draft or trade for Fields, Fields or, or, Wilson. or Wilson. But then you got then because from fourteen on, Saints have Carr, Colts have Anthony Richardson, 
Seattle, Gina, Geno Smith, Tra- Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, Bengals, Joe Burrow, the Rams have Stafford, and then the Steelers at 20. So the Steelers are sitting there at 20. What are they going to do? Because that's why I think they get Russell Wilson. Like, I think the Steelers are more win now. They're going to go. They'll bring They've got cap room. I really think, well, they don't, and they don't really need it because Wilson's contract is so funky that, he, that they actually can sign him at the minimum because only if they overpay what Denver paid does like Aaron Hurd against them. But I think the Steelers get him. And then two, Dolphins with Tua, Philly with Hurts, Houston, Stroud, Dallas, Dak Prescott, Green Bay, Love, Tampa, Baker, Ar- you know, Arizona, Buffalo, Allen, Detroit, Goff. So I really think this, I look for the Steelers to, they're going to make a move for Russell Wilson very shortly. And I think that Fields is going to go to maybe Atlanta or one of these other teams. And these other teams are going to draft. These quarterbacks are going to be off the books. Like there's going to be. Well, I heard someone say today they could see all six quarterbacks going by pick 40. I think it could be pick 20. Right there at the Steelers. You might see all six of those guys gone. They will all be gone. We're going to bring in some draft experts in, but I think this, you're going to, because the way the value of these quarterbacks are and understanding that with the salary cap went up from 230 to $260 million, these quarterback salaries are going to be 67, you know, it's going to be insane. You're going to get a draft a quarterback at this, at the NFL minimum. You got it. At a rookie scale, you got to draft a quarterback. This is Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. On the way, number one college golfer in the country, Fred Biondi from last season joins us. Also, the number 19. Uh, point scoring NFL player of all time, Nick Lowry, joins us at 740. Ira, here's something a little bit different. We don't usually give out the phone number for calls here, but a lot of people listen to the station. They've got the number from our other shows or giveaways. And we have a call on line. It's Mike from Long Island wants to talk to Ira. Mike, what do you have for Ira? Hey, Ira, how are you? Great, great. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, knowing that you're a big Penn State fan and um, me being a long-suffering Boston College Eagle fan, I was just wondering how you think Bill O'Brien's going to do at BC. Well, I think this is what Bill. This is Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien will take every credit for everything that possibly good that can happen. Like if, as I said, if it, the sun comes up in the morning, he's going to take credit for the sun coming up in the morning. And anything that bad happens, it's going to be everybody else's fault but him. So it's <laughs> he's going to pass blame on every single person. And the fact that he yelled at Tom Brady, I think, has given him license the rest of his life saying, "I can yell at anyone I ever want to because I yelled at Tom Brady." That video of him, because I think that gives him license to say, oh, "I yelled at Tom Brady. I can yell at you. I yelled at Tom Brady. I can yell at you." Not a big fan of Bill O'Brien. I'm not too excited about this. I think, you know, I, I said, but I guess for, you know, long-suffering Eagle fans, uh, it's <laughs> you're going to suffer some more. So, I mean, we were just coming off Jeff Hathley, and I thought he was, you know, not a good coach, and I'm not looking for any miracles, but I'd like to be a little more competitive. We used to, you know, just over the last few years, I just feel like we're getting blown out of a lot more games we ever did. And I was just wondering if you think he'll bring another, you know, sense of toughness back to the program, which we really relied on and was a uh, strong point of ours for many, many years before uh, we run into a slew of these uh, bad coaches. I've said this time and again. It's not the majority opinion, I don't think, but I felt that Bill O'Brien, this Penn State team that he took over from Joe Paterno, I thought had some of the amazing players. They were some of Mike Mowdy was a leader. It was full of these great leaders. I think the team sort of ran itself. I think Bill O'Brien got in the way of it. I, I think he took way too much credit for the success of that team. His Houston became a disaster at the end as a general manager, as a coach, as everything. And and I think, as I said, and he talked to some, you know Rodney Ward, tighter insider. We'll talk about the work in Alabama. They consider him the worst offensive coordinator they've had in all those things. <laughs> he forced Bill O'Brien to leave. I mean, I, I there's nothing about uh, not Bill O'Brien, Nick Saban to leave. But I just I am not a fan of Bill O'Brien, and I just don't. I think at this situation. Uh, I was surprised he took the Ohio State offensive coordinating job. I think Ohio State's happy they got rid of him, but he's not there. But I'm not. I'm not a fan of this move. Sorry. 
Uh, that's all right. I'm just I won't re-up my season tickets. <laughs> <laughs> well, the ACC is so weak. I mean, there's so many bad teams in ACC that maybe the there's a chances there. And, and but I just am not a fan. I just think he's such a. And, and I think I said that Bill o, when he was yell, that yelling at Tom Brady was the worst possible thing because everyone who talks about him is like he's yelling. And he, look, we talked about uh, just Hopkins. He trades him. I mean, it's a mess. Houston was a complete mess. He he is just I, I he's a bad as a general manager. I, I just I'm not fa- I'm not a fan at all. So. All right. Well, I won't get my hopes up. <laughs> Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Mike from Long Island, hoping that uh, Matt Ryan co- comes out of our retirement, goes to Boston College, maybe gets back under the helm. Anything else we need to talk here with uh, NFL? I know uh, Cincinnati franchise tag T. Higgins, so he's not going anywhere. Smart move, considering Jamar Chase is really the receiver who needs to be signed here. Yeah, I mean, it's some of the, you're going to see these franchise tags. Remember, when you franchise tag him, it's the average of the position for five players or ten, depending on. And it's a situation where it's a one-year deal, and only one player who I met at the Maxim party who sat out and did not signed the franchise tag. It's actually uh, Le'Veon Bell sat out the whole year. Um, and the players don't like to be franchise tagged, but, and you saw Barkley's not going to be tagged. The running backs are not getting tagged anymore. So it'll be interesting to see which which players get tagged or not uh, this time. But I think the big news, the, the big news is definitely these quarterbacks and what's going to happen. We Especially Russell, I think the dominoes that fall will be Wilson and Fields first. Speaking of Saquon Barkley and the franchise tag, the Giants camps have pretty much all but said they're not going to be franchising Saquon Barkley. They are going to try to get a deal done I think they're ultimately going to try to move him, maybe get the deal done first and set into like a Houston, but we'll see what happens there. Spring training's underway. Ira, like you said, we have so much going on, and being Palm Beach County, we are like the hub for spring training baseball. Got four great teams here. Two of them have been in World Series very recently. You were checking out spring training, of course, this week. It was great, and I found out a secret at Russell uh, Roger Dean Stadium. I didn't realize this. If you just pay forty dollars, you get to go at uh, uh, two and a half hours before the game and get on the field and get pictures with some of the players. The managers sit in the dugout, and that was pretty cool. I took a friend of mine, and we had a great time coming down. And I got pictures with uh, Mason Wind, with the star shortstop, uh, rookie shortstop for the Cardinals, and also Jose Fernin. Talked to Oliver Mornell, the manager. So it was pretty cool to be on the field and and see all that. See see the practicing. Um, really, the Marlins didn't come out for that. I was surprised with that. They weren't out there at all, but it, it's it's great. Spring training baseball is phenomenal. You get there early. I sat right behind Skip Schumacher, the manager of the Marlins, and the one thing I noticed was that when you're at, used to football and basketball and sitting behind coaches, and they're screaming and yelling, and there's, you know, in football, 30 coaches are screaming at the one time. Everyone's yelling at everybody, and we're going to have Nick talk about the special teams coaches that are all yelling. Nobody talks. Like, I'm behind the dugout, and you can't, Skip Schumacher did not say anything Anything, hardly to anyone, even the pitching coach, Mel Sotomayor, was sitting next to him. But it's really funny in baseball, and that's not just him. It's that's how the baseball mentality is. Is that to believe the coach is talking, something not good is happening. If the coach comes over to you, you did something wrong. And it's so funny. And the the game, though, I mean, you, you watch three, four, or five innings of it, the game, and then when the then people come in with numbers like ninety four point seven five or ninety five or six point two, and you, you don't know who the players are, and the mistakes the Marlins made, like a catcher dropped the ball in front of him, and a runner from second base scored. On, just on a pass ball, which was just sitting in front of a play because nobody could find the ball, and the fans were saying, "It's right there in front of you! It's right there!" <laughs> and uh, there was no, there was a man, no men on first and second, uh, and the ball was hit to the shortstop, and he decided to throw to second base, which I could not understand that. But it, this, the you just, it's fun to watch it, and the games are good, and then you see, you know, you get to an insight in terms of some of the pitchers, like the Marlins. Josh Simpson had a really bad outing. Outing that was uh, Brian De La Cruz, awesome, two for two, four RBIs. But the Marlins have some. Players 
players like uh, veterans like uh, Trey Mancini, Josh Bell. People might remember those from Baltimore and Pittsburgh. But uh, pretty, it was. I just love being out there. It was the first day, Saturday, opening day, so I enjoyed going to that. Um, it's here, Ira. Cognizant Classic Week is upon us. We love this. You were out there today. I'm going to try to be out there from Wednesday through Sunday. We got our media passes. We're ready to go. Hopefully, I have some great interviews for you next uh, Monday on Iron Sports. But do you want to talk a little bit about this as we get ready? You were just there. I'm sure PGA National is just starting to ramp up the uh, activities. Yeah, it looks great out there. It's a little bit different. You know, they, they I was talking to some changes. Uh, over the last couple of years, people might, they sort of downsized in terms of where the events were going to be. They didn't use the bar, that whatever they call the old. I-bar. I-bar was not, I think the name is not Yeah, it's I-bar. Oak Grill or something. Yeah, now. it's another name. But now they're going to let people more in. It's going to get back to that type of thing. The, the people that the PGA is running this. This is a PGA, like, actually running the event. It's not the classic. The Honda Classic was an organization. But it's they're running it. It's a th- You're going to see a lot of different things out there. I mean, same, same sponsors, more tents, those type of things. But I think you're going to see, again, that fact that I said, oh, do I need a special pass this year for friends that want to go, oh, no, anybody can come in, you know, all that aspect. So I think that that's going to be good. I mean, they're excited. Rory McIlroy is the first, you know, big name in the field. I mean, they have the 2023 field had eight of the top 60 golfers. Now they have 18 of the top 60. You know, a lot of these golfers that we know went to live, so they're not some of the bigger names. And of the, there's no Jordan Spieth. There's no Justin Thomas. Well, Spieth's never played. And he's never played at this. And there's no Scotty Scheffler's not here. And those type of players are there. But Rory's here. Kim Young, um, uh, Sanjay Yim. A lot of ex-past winners are there. Uh, it's nice to see Daniel Berger, who's been injured the last couple of years, uh, finished second to Patty Harrington. He's back. Uh, Jupiter this resident makes sense to show up. A lot of them are. Seth Straka uh, and Keith Mitchell, Ricky Fowler were all past winners there in the field. Shane Lowry, who lives around here, he's going to be in the field. So it, it, there's some names, I think. I mean, it's it's much improved over last year. It's not what it was. When you had Tiger and Rory, you know, at Justin Thomas playing, that's, you know, that's... That it was, was like 2015. Best. I think they had 16 of the top 20 golfers in the world. Dustin Johnson was yeah. there. Phil Mickelson was here. I mean, that was amazing. But no, they're not going to have that here for this. Cognizant's doing their best to build this event back up to where it was. You know, I was at the uh, the media day, and they said that that's their focus, and they're working with the PGA to do whatever they can to get those, you know, top uh, dozen or so golfers back like they used to have a decade ago. Right. And I think, I mean, we're looking at odds. You know, we like to talk about betting here on the show. I, I would say that Rory at a seven and a half to one, it might be one of the worst bets I've Horrible. ever seen. <laughs> I mean, this is a 145 uh, field. There's no, Rory is not... I, he's won this in 2012, but he's not, and he's not been playing that great. At Genesis, he shot a 74 in the first round. I don't see Rory McIlroy coming into this. And he's going to be, you know, someone like Rory's just working on his game. He's just trying to improve his game and doing those things. So I, I can't, to make him a 7.5, and, and then the next one is Cam Young, a 22. So th- it's the most ridiculous. It's like Rory it's versus the entire the odds, field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, I, I would say, I mean, I, it's hard to say, like, who I like in this field in terms of it's really going to be someone that, you know, out of nowhere to come. You look at some of the past winners and how they're playing. Even Matthew Fitzpatrick, who's number nine in the world, is thirty-three to one. You know, I, maybe Shane Lowry, who played well last year at this, uh, maybe he's someone who, or two years ago, Lowry. If you can bet top tens, I would definitely take Lowry as a top ten pick. I, I, I'm going to throw a little money on Daniel Berger and Ricky Fowler, two Jupiter kids. Fowler's won before. Berger was a step away. Getting thirty-five to one and fifty to one on those guys, I'd much rather have that than seven to one on Roy McIlroy. Right. Exactly. I agree. Anything else we need to discuss here as we get you know amped up? We're going to be out there uh, Wednesday for the for the, another 
regular series of Pro-Ams Wednesday. If you're a golf fan, that's the day to be there. Of course, the tournament's not started yet, but you can get face-to-face with these golfers. We're going to be some of the only people out there hanging out. Yeah, I mean, that's what Rory's going to... I was there one time, and someone brought their dog on the course, and Rory's playing with the dog and playing catch with the dog, and then the kid went... My story, funny story, is the kid took one of his putters from Rory's bag, and Rory went and started giving him a little lesson, this four-year-old kid, about how to putt, and probably that kid's probably... That was like 10 years ago, so he's probably like a superstar golfer by now. But um, that's so much fun to go to the Pro-Am. I I suggest that people go. They're playing in shorts. They're relaxed. They're fun. And you can take your camera and take tons of pictures, and no one's yelling at you to stop taking pictures and those things. So that's great. And Thursday and Friday. And and if if people are looking to get out there and watch the golf, I suggest one thing and one thing only. Get there early. That's There's not a lot of people early in the morning. And it was always great for me because Tiger was always one of the first ones. He wanted to be first tee times. So I love getting there to see what Tiger, like when it's dark. But I would suggest if you want to watch golf, get there early, and you're not going to you'll be able to follow your golfers. Say you get someone like at 7 o'clock. From 7 to 9.30, you'll follow the first nine holes and no one's going to be in your way. Yeah. Say even Rory. And then by mid, by by the turn, by 11, 10, 11, then you're going to get full of 100 people. because people. Well, wait. By the time you get to the bear trap, two and a half hours, three yes, hours later. Um, unless they start, but it's fun just to follow them if they start at 10 yeah. in the, early in the morning, then you get through the go through the bear trap and do those things. So it's that aspect is good. And then the events, the, the it's always fun to be at the bear trap on Fridays and Saturdays, which are super fun. So I'm excited for this tournament. I think it's great. I think hopefully the weather will be excellent and uh, it'll be it's different the cognizant not the honda and i i but it was i felt it was fun being there because people the people are running it are really trying to I think there's more effort in this. I think last couple of years, Honda realized they might be pulling out, but now I really feel like there's this huge effort to make this tournament great again. So well, I'm excited. Let's talk to uh, Fred Biondi here on IRON Sports. IRON Sports, we're pleased to have Fred Biondi playing at the Cognizant Classic. Fred, you are the reigning uh, national champion uh, individual and team. It's been amazing to win both events and just like in a week's time. Yeah, it's pretty special. Um, was it, so you're good at the team side and also the individual, so we would switch, win the team, you win the individual first and then went to the team. Yeah. Um, team, I think, meant a lot more than uh, all the boys here will be. Good approaches for the whole program, just seems a lot more. Um, you go to Florida, which is awesome. Tons of listeners who are big Florida Gator fans. And Ben Telkin goes there as one of the top tennis players in the world. And then you interact with Ben, you see him, it's pretty cool. I know the whole team has been struggling. It must be exciting to have the individual sports playing. Yeah, it's, um, I, I know Ben. We went to school together for a couple of years. But we just feel bad. Yeah, 
be intended event like this to say the program on Monday to give you sort of a feel for the course a little bit. How are you going to have to start again Tuesday, Wednesday before the tournament? I'll probably say tomorrow until uh, Wednesday before Wednesday and I'm not in until I'm not playing Wednesday, but uh, I play here. What about 17? Are you excited to play that with all the crowds around there? Yeah, it's pretty awesome once you're in there. Oh, you were quiet when the golfers were hitting you weren't making any noise. I was quiet. <laughs> <laughs> right, thanks so much for talking. I appreciate it. Cool stuff there with Fred Biondi here on Iron Sports. Like I said, five years from now, if he's got a couple of majors under his belt, I'm not going to be shocked, and we could have heard him here first on Iron Sports. And you heard all the wind. I mean, that was, I felt so bad because it was, when we started the interview, it was right off when he came off at nine. And so we're standing there, and it was just, I couldn't even stand it was that windy. So, I mean, it's like they still had some of the interview room. I'm like, you know, I'll take the interview. I thought it was cool. So I'm sorry, some of the, if you listen online, you can take some of the sound. It sounds a little bit better than if you heard on the radio. But I thought it was comedy because he really looked up for Ricky. Ricky Fowler considers also young golfer. So here's a golfer that's saying, I looked up to Ricky Fowler when I was young. And I loved that. Here's a guy who won the NCAA National Championship and he won the Team National Championship and he goes, I have a lot of errors in my game. So that's a good attitude to have. I mean, to say that, you know, he's shooting this well and playing this great. He goes, I have a ton of errors in my game to improve. So I thought that was excellent. It's really cool stuff. Let's go to college basketball here. Have you ever been at a game where the fans and the, the students charge the court? I have. I I was at Duke, so I went to Duke games, and Duke fans really never charged. I mean, the whole idea, we joke about this all the time, is that, like, you don't see Alabama charging the field. Like, you don't see Kansas and Duke, and so, like, the teams that are yeah, good that are expected. upsetting big seats. Right, so Kansas State made a comment. The coach there said, I don't want our fans to charge because I want them. You don't see a Lawrence, Kansas, them charging the court because they expect to win. We want to expect to win every game, whoever we play, and that's where I was at Penn State games. So Penn State games, yes, I've seen them. And the Michigan Ohio State game this past year I did. But it's different. I think football is a different charge. They get the players off the field much faster. But the basketball, and certainly what happened this weekend at Wake Forest, was really amazing to see the fans. There was no security whatsoever. Duke was only down four. They were inbounding the ball. Like if Filipowski catches the ball and is fouled, Larry Johnson play, four-point play, mm-hmm. they have a chance. Those fans ran out before he even caught the ball, before the ball was inbounded almost. Um, this was as close as I've seen to it for the referees at least to call technicals or to call a forfeit, but because Filipowski is injured as the players are running. People said, well, they ran on the court, he pushed. Well, yeah, if you're on the court and there's 100 people running at you, I'm putting my arms out and pushing a back too. And it's whether he had sprained his ankle or hurt his knee, had to help be helped off the field. Um, Caitlin Clark got injured earlier this year. I do think, yeah, I mean, I love the fact that that's in college basketball. I love the fact of storming. But if these, if you're, if you're at a, a school and you can't secure the court, at least to get the visiting team off, say, no handshake line. This was weird. Wake Forest called a timeout with a minute and a half to, with a second and a half to go, and before Duke inbounded. Now the coach at more Wake Forest said, "Oh, we did it because we wanted to give them time to do, put security up." I think they did did it to say, "Don't foul, you're up four, not going to have something like that." But the security was terrible. You said the videos; they're waving them on the court, and the Duke players are still there, but they ran on before this time expired. That's why I think you could have a forfeit or at least technical te- like technical fouls on that. It, there's yeah, there's a lot of like talk today, what do we do for this? Like, 
your team storms the court, you're ineligible for the postseason. Something like that. I mean, it sounds ridiculously strict, but I promise this kind of stuff would stop. It doesn't happen as much as SEC. I was looking at some numbers. LSU in football has been fine. And SAC finds the teams. 605,000 LSU has been. Auburn's 505,000. And Vanderbilt, the most of the have so many upsets. In SEC, they've been fined 630,000. The ACC is the only conference that doesn't have fines if you storm the court and do those things and, and just run on. I, I think there is an issue. Yeah, I mean, I think it, 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 if they don't, but I don't know why they're shaking hands after a game. Like, I think at that point, when you look at it, they're going to storm the court, get the players off. Player safety is the most important thing. But I think if a fan runs on, I think that's one of the worst. It's It was bad. I mean, hopefully, Filipowski, it doesn't appear that he was seriously hurt. He's just a little sore. But you're you're waiting to one of these stars that get hurt. Now, people say, well, this is going to happen later. It doesn't happen in the NCAA tournament because these are they're not home games. They're not home <laughs> games, right. And, no, and there is more security in their arenas. You don't see anyone storming masses. Like, could you imagine a fan running on masses for a garden? They get leveled by the security. Yeah, it wouldn't work. So, I mean, that's where it's not going to happen in the tournament, and you're not going to hear it, and, and you don't have it. Of course, at the Super Bowl and those things. So I do think it's it's fun that they do it in college, but if they can't secure it, then you're, you should pay the, the price and maybe perhaps lose a game. So I think that's where my point is I don't want to eliminate it entirely, but if you can't do it right, then then, then you're going to be fine. What else is going on in college hoops? Because we're I mean, a lot of teams have four and five games left before we got to get into conference. It's play. almost over. It's a shame. I mean, Houston's now number one in the country. Beat Iowa State and Baylor. They're rolling. Purdue beat Rutgers and Michigan. And the joke about Michigan is there were so many Michigan basketball is so bad this year that there were more Purdue fans than Michigan fans. If Michigan had upset Purdue, they were like a 20-point underdog. The joke is that there'd be no storming the court because there's no fans there to storm the court if that happened. <laughs> Purdue fans would be more upset that they were wanted. UConn, I said how great they were. They lose to Creighton. So I'm <laughs> sorry that I, I said UConn's unbeatable. And then Tennessee, Marquette, Kansas. And then Duke, of course, lost to Wake, even though Wake was favorite of that. And FAU loses South Florida. They're now out of the top 25. But it, look, I I'm, I'm still think UConn is by far the best team. I think the Creighton loss, it's hard. And they're not going to be playing on the road against a team like that. Rick Pitino's pretty much dejected. I've never heard a coach kind of throw his team under the bus as badly as he has, but now all of a sudden, they might be eligible to sneak into the tournament here with some big wins. It was weird. They were 16-12. and 12, They're 8-9. and nine. They lost this season all 68-62, which made them 2-8 and eight over the last 10 games. And then he gives a press conference where he blames his assistant coaches for recruiting. He blames his players, saying they're unathletic, even though the players he chose yeah. or whatever. And then he blames everybody but himself. It was ridiculous. And he blames the facilities. I've never... I mean, this is the Bill O'Brien school of interviews. I'm blaming everybody <laughs> under the sun instead of himself. And then he goes, whatever. And I thought that was terrible. Then he goes back and beats Georgetown. And then he upsets Creighton. But I do think that that was one of the worst press conferences. You you cannot sit there and blame everybody like that when you're the one getting paid $10 million a year to coach a basketball team. Did you see um, Iowa put a, a Caitlin Clark's number and her name in the exact spot where she broke the NCAA cool. record? It, yeah, it's kind of cool. The, the 22 and Caitlin Clark there on the uh, court. Anything else you want to talk about here at College Hoops? Yeah, just a couple things. And women's, uh, uh, Iowa lost to uh, Indiana this week. So they dropped, I think, six. But they play Ohio State at home. The tickets for this, the get-in tickets are like $250. So that game's going to be huge. South Carolina is still 27-0, and they're number one. And LSU beat Auburn. Angel Reese is t- was at 25 points, 20 rebounds. So they're playing well. And UConn with Paige Booker's, she's now 24 points, 30 points. So again, man, I've, I've been to college. I'm into women's college basketball this year. I am going to be watching Iowa, be watching uh, Connecticut and LSU too. We've got about uh, seven minutes here till we have to get to uh, Nick Lowry here, number 19 all-time scorer in the NFL here on Iron Sports. I'm Mike Balsamo talking NBA action. 
Man, every time we talk, it seems like Boston's getting better and better. They've won eight straight, nine of their last ten. As far as the Eastern Conference goes, I can't see anybody hanging with these guys to, to make it to the finals. No, I mean, I guess Cleveland is at seven and a half back. Milwaukee's eight and a half. The Knicks, Knicks, everyone keeps saying, wait till they get healthy, but we're waiting. Where are they? They're not healthy yet. The 76ers, well, Embiid, I don't think he's playing. Pacers, 12 and a half. The Heat, the Heat are in the same position they were last year. Seventh position. They got in a fight t- tonight. They play Sacramento. They don't. Their whole team is either, either suspended or hurt. And then Orlando's 13 and a half. But, you know, and the Bulls at 18 and Hawks are 20. But it's interesting where the Heat really, I just they, I just don't want them to have to play Boston. Like, win a round or two. Like, I think they have the capability of beating everybody but Boston, the East. And the West, it's funny in the West. Teams like Minnesota, Oklahoma City are one and two, and no one's giving them a chance to go, they're never going to make the finals. They're never going to make it. Denver is one and a half back. People love the Clippers and the Kings and Phoenix. But everybody from those teams are all six and a half. And then it's going to be, there's going to be a game in April, in the mid-April, where Lakers are going to play the Warriors, and it's going to be really like a 9-10. It's going to be an NCAA tournament game. It's going to be Steph Curry versus LeBron James. Losers out. Winner has to play another game to get in the playoffs. That's where it is. It looks like both those teams are going to be 9-10, and 10, which is going to be really interesting. This week, a couple big games. Lakers at Clippers on Wednesday night. The Warriors at the Knicks on Thursday, when that, that the ticket price for that game is almost like the Caitlin Clark game, like 250 for the cheapest ticket. Um, and then Denver at the Lakers on Saturday. And the Warriors, the Warriors are having, you know, whatever Steph Curry comes is a big game. They're at Boston on Sunday. Remember, they only go to Boston one time of the year. The Warriors only go to the Knicks one time of the year. Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel, Mike Balsamo here. In the NHL, real quick, if people haven't been paying attention, the Eastern Conference, Ira, is just absolutely stacked. We just had the New York Rangers win 10 games in a row. Florida Panthers won 11 straight road games, uh, tying an NHL record. Toronto has the most prolific goal scorer since basically Alex Ovechkin in his prime. Austin Matthews, 52 goals right now, on pace for 77 goals. It's only happened three times, well, three players, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, and Brett Hull. So we could be seeing a elite company here coming up in the NHL. The West, it's kind of like it was last year. Pretty muddy. We get all the talent talent is in the East. And what happened last year? The West won the Stanley Cup. So kind of funny how that goes. Um, UFC's coming up and I know we're going to be at the Caseya Center soon. You're going to be there, of course. I don't know if you got your tickets yet, but what's the plan for uh, for UFC next week? Well, I think Sean O'Malley versus Marion Vera is the Bantamweight Championship. And O'Malley in 2020 lost to him. So this is going to sort of come back. Now, since then, Sean O'Malley became the champion. But Marion Vera has been saying, well, I beat him beat him, so I should get, you know, this is my chance to become the champion. There's some great fights. I mean, that's the one thing. I hope to have a really good guest from the UFC on next week to, to preview this, but Dustin Poirier is fighting in this. Uh, Gilbert Burns, former champion Peter Yan is going to be on that, so I really am excited for this. I'm probably going to go down to this, and I, I didn't go last year when they when they had it, and I'm, I think it's going to be great, and I'd love to have a UFC. We're either going to have, we might have a big name UFC fighter or administrator, so you can guess what that could be So for next week's show. Yeah, it could be something I huge that I was working on. What about uh, racing? We had a couple minutes till we get to Nick Lowry. Well, in Bahrain, it's the start of Formula One. So I'm so pumped because in May, it's going to be Miami again. I'm really, really excited for Formula One this year. And so this is the first race this weekend. And NASCAR, I watched that race. Daniel Suarez Ryan won the race against Ryan Blaney and, and, and Kyle Busch. And if you watch it, go watch the end of the race. Google the end of the race. They went around one lap, three wide, all around the whole time. And Suarez <laughs> won by 0.003 seconds, the third close is finished in NASCAR history. Pretty interesting stuff there. <clears throat> um, you mentioned earlier 
opportunity to go to the Fountain of Youth. And for people who aren't aware, everyone watches the Kentucky Derby. Everyone's into the Kentucky Derby. However, you may not realize that three-year-old horses, the ones who are eligible for the Derby, typically run on five-week rotation. So there may only be one or two more opportunities to see some of these horses before you have to bet on them. Fountain of Youth would have been one of them. Yeah, I mean, I think this is fun because we have uh, one of our uh, guests, we have Michael Ivoroni. He has his horses, Victory Avenue, is running in this derby. I have a friend, Bruce, my cousin Bruce, who's all his buddies, uh, part ownership of Doorknock. So this is a fun race to watch. I mean, if it wasn't the, the Honda Classic, I think I would definitely 100% go to this because it, it is one of those races, as I said, where it's really the winner of this is a good shot to be on the top list for the, the, the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, this is the warm-up. Then you'll have the Florida Derby five weeks before the Kentucky Derby, and that's, that's it. So if you're into horse racing, you want to look uh, educated, make some money on Kentucky Derby Day, Make sure you're taking this in. Let's go to Nick Lowry. This is Iron Sports. This is Iron Sports, and we're so honored to have legendary uh, NFL kicker, Kansas City Hall of Famer, Kansas City Chief Hall of Famer, Nick Lowry on the show. Nick, thanks a lot for coming on Iron Sports. Thank you. And it's funny, I'm going to be, uh, you know, uh, coming to West Palm Beach today and uh, tomorrow doing an event on the Health Corps, which I helped launch with Dr. Oz literally the day after the Super Bowl in, in my home state right now in, in Phoenix, Arizona. Wow, that's, that's awesome. Well, you're going to enjoy the weather. here is great. You're going to love coming to West Palm Beach right now. Um, I met you at the Taste of the NFL party, and I, I describe when I go to the Super Bowl all the events I go to around the Super Bowl, and you have to admit that Taste of the NFL party with... I don't know, 50 NFL legends with all the co- all the chefs and everything. Really just one of the highlights of every Super Bowl weekend. Yes, and it just keeps getting better. And, you know, it's beautifully organized. I, and I have to tell you, I, I did two separate uh, multi-hour autograph signings during the week of the Super Bowl. And both of them, despite the craziness of Las Vegas and, and Super Bowl week, every single person was engaged, happy, uh, kind, respectful, you know, usually there's the knucklehead factor. And when you're (laughs) signing autographs for, you know, 500 people, um, you'd think there would be one weird person. (laughs) So to me, that's something we need to recognize in the midst of, you know, the divisiveness that can happen in today's world, at least the projection that, you know, we're all divided, that, you know, there are so many good people there. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to have everyone kind-hearted, grateful, respectful. So I'm putting that energy out there. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And, you know, you're, you're in Las Vegas, and I was listening to some interviews you did, and I'm looking, and I'm like, wait a second. You said the Chiefs were going to score 25, 26 points, and Harrison Buckner, the kicker, was going to kick four field goals. Well, of course, they scored 25, not 26, but he kicked four field goals. I, I Did you place any bets on those predictions? Because I that- wish I did. I also said he'd have a field goal over 50 yards, and he had a 57-yarder, <laughs> even with a high snap. So I should have, you know, it's it's. <laughs> I won the CNBC stock draft uh, almost twice. I wanted, I beat Kevin O'Leary back in 2018, and and I should have learned my lesson. I need to start betting on myself these way these days. But uh, 
Uh, I also predicted the previous game against Baltimore when almost everyone was saying Baltimore is the best team in the NFL. I predicted we win by seven points, which is exactly what we did. Wow. So, and let's talk about that Super Bowl run a little bit. I, it's just, I mean, you played for the Chiefs from 80 to 93. You know, a great time, great period with Marty Schottenheimer. You made the playoffs four years in a row. I think, you know, the, the game against Miami when you lost in the playoffs, Montana, Marino, Bills, Chargers, you know, I said the Steelers, you beat the Steelers and that's my team in overtime. So you had a great run there with the Chiefs. But to see this, the Chiefs get through and win these titles and win the three titles, it must be, you know, once a Chief, always a Chief, you must be really proud of about what, what this team's been able to accomplish the last couple years? Oh, my gosh. couple years. It's now five Super Bowls, you know, three championships. Uh, excuse me, uh, four Super Bowls in five years, three championships. And then one in Miami. I was there. I actually, my friend Harris Faulkner, who was the anchor for Fox in Kansas City, that 93-94 playoffs when I was with Joe Montana, Derek Thomas, and Neil Smith, and Marcus Allen, and Marty Schottenheimer, and we really had a very good team, went one game away from the Super Bowl against Buffalo. Um, She took me to that game. And left her husband behind to look after the kids. We we watched and witnessed this first Super Bowl championship in fifty five zero years. So when you do the arithmetic and you go, we had to wait fifty years, and then now suddenly this plethora, this you know incredible avalanche of greatness, um, it's great. And of course now everybody's going to start talking about. Patrick Mahomes is God, and I don't know if he's God, but he is such a blessing because basically no defensive scheme can stop him because he has this, unlike the other great quarterbacks, including Lamar Jackson, you know, it's one thing to be a great athlete. It's another thing to be a great uh, technical quarterback. But but Patrick has all those things, and he, he literally willed a group of receivers that at best were average um, with, without a Tariq Hill, which who, of course, everybody listening knows <laughs> in Miami, um, you know, he was able to will this team with some help from great coaching from Andy Reid and Steve Spagnola, incredible defense. But still, it's, it's incredible. And I will remind you of a story from before all this happened, the year before when a one-inch <laughs> Offside penalty on D. Ford when we're playing in the AFC Championship game against a guy named Tom Brady, and uh, literally we're you know an offside penalty from making it. And I'm in Atlanta afterwards in the Super Bowl uh, at Lee Steinberg's party, and Lee kindly enough uh, presented me with a humanitarian award, uh, which is called the Steinberg's D. Nicola Award. And I'm backstage with Patrick. Now, Patrick's fresh from showing <laughs> exactly what he can do. Just incredible. And um, he uh, he says to me, how you doing? How about the how about those Chiefs? I said, yeah, let's win, let's win a Super Bowl. And without hesitating, he said, let's win a bunch. <laughs> and, and, and that's exactly what he's done. So I don't know. I mean, I, you can say... Joe Namath, who's up there in Jupiter, one of my favorite people ever, one of the most kind people ever, who, you know, for that one game guaranteed a victory and, you know, just uh, epitomizes uh, the confidence and leadership of great quarterbacks. But to do it again and again and again, to me, the cement will be 
this coming year, the next couple of years, to continue it. Because what happens, as we know, is you lose usually a couple key coordinators, usually your coordinators, or at least one of them, and you, you lose the big stars. And yet somehow, like Tom Brady did, to give him credit, with different personnel, we're still winning. So what's going to be interesting is do we add a, a wide receiver, right, because we really did need a little bit more uh, balance and threat to take pressure off of Travis Kelsey. Uh, do we need a little bit more offensive line help? But all those things, with Brett Beach as our general manager and Andy Reid, we just seem to find a way. And we found a way despite playing really poorly, even as late as December, late in December against the Oakland Raiders, well, I call them Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders. And then what are the constants, though, on the team with all the change has been Travis Kelsey? And certainly everybody you know, remembers him, thinks of him with Taylor Swift. But the way that it's funny that Kelsey and Gronkowski, both these Brady and Montana, both rely so much on these tight ends and how great each one of them has. Different players. Gronkowski is much you know, more of a blocker and a receiver, too, whereas Kelsey is just, you know, an elite receiver. But Kelsey has just been such, I mean, he was criticized at the beginning of the year so much for, oh, he's losing it. He's lost a step. He's dropping balls, but then they come up so big in the playoffs and make so many plays, you know, that was one of the key reasons why they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, I, let's, uh, I'm going to give probably a different take than people have heard, but something very simple. Here's a guy who has been the greatest tight end statistically, perhaps ever. Certainly, Gronkowski was extraordinary, and Tony Gonzalez and the Chiefs were amazing, but you know, he's having a very mediocre year, and uh, I get into the psychology and, and, the, and the, you know, emotional state. And starting with, during the World Series, you know, the Chiefs lost at Denver and, and played very poorly for two months, really. And uh, I'd liken that to, uh, ascribe that to perhaps, to some degree, here's a guy who's fallen in love. <laughs> you know, we're not supposed to talk about that off-the-field stuff. He's fallen in love with the, currently the most famous person on the planet. I mean, you can say Vladimir Putin or Donald Trump or whoever you want to throw out there, but really popular person and who's also deeply emotionally uh, wise if, if with her own track record. But I think most people don't give her credit for how much she has grown. And I think that took a little bit away. So here's my little insight. As soon as Jason Kelsey, who Travis, you know, does his podcast every week, you know, the Heights, as soon as he was done with his own season, he comes to Buffalo and he's in the suite with Taylor. And I think psychologically, because I can remember what it was like for me, I'm trying to give you guys some, some personal insight here, to turn around on the sidelines and see my parents in the box next to Al Davis in the box right next to him outside. That is a beautiful thing. And, and you do your work mentally and emotionally to be ready to play no matter what, to not let the 80,000 people and lots of you know people shouting beautiful Shakespearean sonnets intended to distract you. You do all that work. But still, Travis may be mentally and physically tough. But to know his brother was there to, I think took some pressure off of him. His brother's there, sort of like a an emotional bodyguard for Taylor Swift in the suite. I just think that allowed him to just relax and get back to who Travis was, because Travis was not Travis for about two months, and he'd not he'd only caught one touchdown pass in eight games, which is just not like him. 
And then look what happened. I mean, just extraordinary performances against Buffalo. Baltimore, 11 targets, 11 catches. <laughs> and, and then, of course, um, weird outburst in the first half, which uh, no one should excuse. But, you know, people will explain that he was just so wanted it too bad. And then, of course, comes through with a lot of the big plays in the last couple drives and 93 yards receiving and I think eight catches, eight or nine catches in the Super Bowl itself. So Travis, I think, is finding himself through um, really managing this large, much larger than life relationship. Um, And because he's been weathered by so many years of being in the spotlight, being on Saturday Night Live, et cetera, he could handle it. But it's not that he could handle it perfectly. I think it took a took a while. And uh, we'll see what happens this next year. But that's my little take that perhaps, just perhaps, he was able to come through and help Patrick be Patrick again in the playoffs when it mattered and take us to a Super Bowl championship for the very fact that his brother could be in the suite and uh, and he could focus on this new love relationship. And so... This is Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. And Ira, this is certainly unprecedented. Nick Lowry is here with us now. Hey, hey, we got to give credit to Alan, my Lyft driver, who drove <laughs> 90 miles an hour up the interstate up to uh, from Fort Lauderdale. So thanks, Alan, if you're listening, buddy. Appreciate you, man. <laughs> no, this is crazy. We got to speak with you earlier in the week. Fantastic interview. But we figured, why not bring you on and ask you some of these questions live? Absolutely. So we're glad you could make it here. Thank you. And, and just uh, just quick plug. I'm here for this awesome thing called Health Corps with NFL alumni, with Dr. Oz at his home tomorrow night with some incredible people. And Health Corps is designed, A, to change the next generation of young people to take more responsibility for their health uh, and just be careful what they put in their bodies and, and mentally and physically. And also help, I think, give the next generation uh, and the veterans uh, from NFL alumni a chance to you know, make a difference in the world and just add that sense of purpose that sometimes misses. It's a little bit like leaving the military, you know? You suddenly lose that <laughs> structure. Of, that yeah. structure. So uh, I'm excited about it. Dr. Oz is a great leader in that area. So I'm here to uh, be part of that. And to be part of Iron Sports. And to be <laughs> part of Iron Sports. I was changing radio stations as we're coming up the interstate. You know, it's about going a, every, 90 miles an hour. Going so. 90 miles an hour, we're hitting hyper light. So about every 10 minutes, we had to shift stations yeah. from 95.3, 95.9, 96.9. I think I got them right. Yeah, you remember those pretty well. Wow, yeah. that's pretty amazing. <laughs> that's the kickers. But but again, you went to Dartmouth College. You have a heart. And I have friends. Well, first of all, I want to comment. How many times have we said we had Dick Lowry's on our show and they he was on my fantasy football team. Like, you were the kicker that everybody had on their fantasy football team. Thank you. And I never got a paycheck. I never got a pay- I'm the all-time Tecmo Bowl guy. I had yeah. people literally say, hey, I, I just kicked an 80-yard field goal last week. I'm like, you know, I'm good. I'm not that good. And, but, and I'm on the all-time Tecmo Bowl team. But did I ever add the Yahoo Sports all-time NFL mustache team, which is even greater <laughs> But uh, were you, were you anyway. kind of happy that there was no Twitter back when you were playing? Because oh, I can imagine, yeah, especially being a kicker, like some of the comments that you're going to get on social media nowadays, not very fun. Yeah. And speaking of Travis Kelsey, when you're at that level, I mean, I never was at that level, but, you know, being able to stay focused when you're 
one of the guys that helps decide the game, one of the people that they depend on to get it done. Those things can knock you off, so you've got to literally selectively cut them out, not even pay attention to them, but of course they force their way back in. You've got to gradually just cut it out or else you can't be consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially get, for you, it's a mental game. And how many points, you told me, how, who, how many people have, kicked, have scored more points in the NFL than the person in our studio right now? people out of, uh, what, uh, 10,000 that have come and you gone know, through the it, NFL throughout funny. the years? They're, the kickers today are better, but they're not that much better. But, you know, the uh, the balls are broken in. Uh, Jan Stenard wanted me to mention that on the broadcast. <laughs> and so about about six, seven years ago when the ball started being broken in, suddenly the average punt and net punt went up five yards. Kickoffs mm-hmm. went out. And, you know, you have Harrison Bucker, who had the best, I think arguably the greatest Single season, when you throw in the Super Bowl, 57-yarder in the Super Bowl, if he doesn't make that, they don't go to overtime. Arguably the greatest season any kicker's ever had. It, it definitely could be, but I think, you know, me growing up watching you, it was one of those things like quarterbacks in the 90s. There was, you know, three good quarterbacks. There was, the rest of them were, were okay. They were serviceable. Now there's like 15 good quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, now there's like 15 good kickers. But back, like, you were the name. You Thank were you. like the premier kicker in Morton the Anderson, time when kickers listening? weren't known. But yeah, Morty might give you a little bit of a fight about that one, but it was it was you Yeah, two. he had 20 seasons indoors, though. <laughs> you know, he was in the cushy indoors. This he is could, true. He had no tan because he was indoors so much. <laughs> <laughs> but then that's the question he's bringing up. It's like I, we had Dwight Gooden on the show, and I'm dropping names like on this, but it's like, you know, what do you do on the show? Yeah, so we, and I started the interview by saying, you know, you on our 50 game stretch, you had the best 50 game stretch in the history of baseball, all the different accolades he had. I go, why aren't you in the Hall of Fame? And he, one of his comments is because you're not my publicist. So my point <laughs> is for you, you were nominated in 2020, but it seems there's only two true kickers in the What is it with this Hall of Fame? But you have Stenerud and Anderson are the only two in there. And, and it's funny, even today in Kansas City, a lot of people will go. The Allen, my my famous now famous uh, Lyft driver, was saying, "Yeah, yeah, you uh, you were after uh, center." I said, "I wasn't after him. I beat him out, broke all of his records, kicked his butt." And took his job. He played six more years, and he's a wonderful man. He was the first great kicker, and he was part of that dominant Chiefs team. And the problem was, in the 80s, we were not a dominant team. But um, I broke, I mean, he was 67%, I was 80%. And that was back when the average was more like 70%. So I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. And that came after being rejected, you know, 11 times by eight teams. That's a bit. You you came out out of Dartmouth. I mean, it wasn't the big football school that Dartmouth was. And then you you did. You you struggled trying to find a job. And yep. then Patriots and the Colts and New England uh, uh, Jets, uh, Saints, San Diego Chargers, Tampa Bay. You know, again and again, Redskins. I got cut twice in one week from the Redskins. <laughs> twice. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was filling in for Mark Mosley. I had a, had a pulled thigh. So, but all of those. I'm writing my book, which is called Naked and Alone with Eighty Thousand People, which is the way it feels when you're running on the field uh, <laughs> to kick a field goal. And those rejections made me better. In other words, if I'd made it earlier before those rejections, I think I would have been up and down somewhat. But when you go through that much, you have to learn, you have to, to you uh, absorb a level of healthy insecurity where you know you always, always have to keep working to get better. What I love about, by the way, Patrick Mahomes is as soon as he's asked about winning the Super Bowl, he's like, hey, our job's not done. We're going to win some more. Yeah. Just like in that interview. He just played. You know, he says to me, as soon as I say, let's win a Super Bowl, let's win a bunch. He has a big vision and he's relentless and he's hungry. That's amazing. But can we get back to the Hall of Fame? Do you do you think you're going to get in? Is there a way to get What can we do? How can I, I help I try you? not to think about it. I tell you what. 
if I was a national announcer on ESPN or Fox Sports, you know, I think that really helps because you're in people's eyes and ears. For sure. Um, and is there a kicker on? T- who is there? A k- uh, Pat McAfee. They'll put Pat McAfee in before you. That would be. <laughs> that would be. Jay Feely does a great job. Oh, by Jay the Feely, way, right? Yes. Role. Okay. I actually went to to Israel with him. We brought a hundred Ukrainian Jewish refugees from Poland in March uh, with a group called Christians United for Israel to um, to what's called Aliyah. To um, to Israel, pretty awesome stuff with with Jay Feely and Sean Alexander, the former MVP of the wow. NFL. Yeah. Wow, that's tremendous. So we talked. Uh, we, I'm trying to remember what we interviewed what we did. It's it's the, cha- the full interview will be on the Iron Sports. Uh, one thing is, I just it just kickers on appreciate. I mean, let, let's face it. You could argue that Harrison Butker should have been the NFL the the MVP of the Super Bowl. Bowl. Absolutely. I mean, what he was nine for nine over. 50 yards this year, 46 for 48, I think, overall. Didn't miss an extra point. Kicks almost all of them out of the end zone. Um, and so many of those kicks were big kicks. And he, then last year, he did hit the upright in the first field goal in the Super Bowl, but then he kicks the game winner. The week, two weeks before, he hits a 45-yarder to put us in the Super Bowl. So kind of kind of a fan. An arrowhead is not the easiest place to kick footballs. No, it's not. Neither is the Meadowlands or was the Meadowlands. But uh, yeah, so I was pr- I was proud to be part of that, proud to be a dependable part of the team. And if we'd been a better team, if I'd been on Buffalo, let's say, right, with Marv Levy, who was my coach uh, with the Chiefs, who cut Jan Stenerud and then goes on, takes a couple years off after being fired by the Chiefs because we were stuck at around eight and eight, nine and seven. And learns just like Bill Belichick, uh, you know, not quite having it together with the Cleveland Browns. And uh, Marv comes back, and of course, he finds Jim Kelly. You always have to have that magical quarterback who's a leader and a great player to be a, a consistent Super Bowl team. So, uh, but anyway, if I'd been on Buffalo, maybe it might have been different. And who My knows? Giants might have won less Super Bowl if that had been the case. All right, we have about a minute left here. Uh, anything else for Nick? Talk about, I guess, what we're, we're, we um, talk about in terms of Harris, the kickers today. Harrison Buckner, talk about the, the kickers in the NFL, which ones you like, which oh, ones. I, I, we, don't have, we only have a minute. So Harrison Butker, and then, of course, that guy with the Ravens. He is Justin Tucker, who I had some fun with talking about the fact that he is the best kicker of all time, given the length of his career and how great he's been, 66-yard field goal in one game, et cetera. But what was he thinking? Stretching. And almost tripping up Patrick Mahomes <laughs> in the pregame warm-up next to well, Travis he, Kelsey. Who did he trip, Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey? Which one was he trying well, to he, trip? He was just trying to have fun, I think. But I never in my career did we ever go to the other side of the field, let alone down to their goal line, right where the guy's stepping around and might trip over his little holding contraption. <laughs> That's just the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. That's amazing. <laughs> you can hear the uh, full interview with Nick Lowry, of course, on our SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Iron Sports. Also be on Instagram and Twitter at Iron Sports. Nick, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. You're going to be our, our NFL liaison, I think, for the for the rest I, of this show's I, longevity. Happy to happy to come on, and we can talk about anything you want. I do want to get one more plug in for Dr. Oz and Health Corps and, and the NFL alumni and just helping the next generation of kids. We know that more kids have to be aware of what they put in their bodies, mentally and physically, all of us so we have better lives. Good luck. Your work's been tremendous. So appreciate everything and certainly everything you've done. Thanks for coming on Iron Sports. Ira, what's the uh, plan for this week? Honda Classic? Well, Cognizant Cognizant Classic. Classic. You've got to start saying it the right thing. Cognizant Classic, uh, maybe spring I'm not on the payroll. No, I think I'm (laughs) I'm excited for this and for the whole golf. It's going to be great this whole week. We are out of time. Thanks so much to Nick Lowry. Of course, Fred Biondi. He's Ira. I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. Iron Sports.